I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. We've got a really cool show for you today. Peter from SEMA is going to be joining me. And Peter works specifically with companies that are looking to get their products through the the carb testing process and and different ways and strategies that they use to be able to help people out, their members that they have, be able to get through that process. And there's a ton of questions over the last year, 18 months, or maybe even longer that I've gotten from small business owners out there saying, hey, how, how do I even start? with this process. I don't even know where to begin. And that's what Peter does is he helps companies be able to get through that. So I want to ask him about that, some tips that he has, and then also what SEMA does for automotive enthusiasts and the aftermarket in general. They do a ton of really cool things. So it's going to be a fun conversation. Before we get to it, though, I want to give a shout out to Worley Custom Fabrication, which is a sponsor of the podcast. We're really excited to have them on board with us. I've been a huge fan for the quality of the work that they do. And we've had guests on for a long time that are running their products and are, are huge fans and, and they're, they're some of the most passionate fans out there. And whenever I ask them, hey, what's done to the truck, they'll talk to me about really custom fabrication parts. And one of the things that I hear a lot from them is the quality of the product and the fitment, which is so important when we invest money to our daily driver, a project truck, or if we're building a SEMA truck, is being able to make sure the product not only performs the way that we want, but it looks great. And so, you know, being, you know, at home working on a project on the weekend, something like that, we want to make sure that product fits. And, and they, they put a lot of time in detail into making sure that happens. And they got a ton of choices for colors. So whether you're, you know, building that SEMA truck or you just want a certain color combination on your daily driver, they can get you taken care of. Make sure and go to wcfab.com. You can check out what they have. And if you're a shop owner out there looking to stock their product, go to turn14.com and you can get set up with them. They make it super easy to order parts, get you tracking, invoicing, all that sort of stuff. So it helps you keep your business running as smoothly and quickly as possible. Also, I want to encourage you guys, if you're not on our Discord, you need to get on there. Go to the Diesel Podcast and you'll find a link in our bio there or down below. There's a link right to it. We've got about 150 members on there in less than a month. And there's, there's a good mix of Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke owners, a lot of different questions, whether they're old trucks, new trucks, guys working on builds, want opinions on different things. And so it's a great place to be able to chat with myself, other podcast fans, and be able to, you know, show off your build or ask questions. A lot of us have, have kind of been down the, the road of modifying them or improving them or trying to get better reliability. So we can offer tips to you to be able to save some money and some time. All right, let's get to the podcast with Peter from SEMA and chatting about the CarBO process. Peter, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today about uh, SEMA and the CarBO process and a lot of uh, topics that I know our audience is going to care about, whether they're a shop owner or a truck owner. We're hearing a lot about it, and so I'm excited to be able to chat with you today and and learn more about what you guys do and, and the process of emissions compliance and testing. Great. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Yeah, I wanted to to start and have you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and SEMA and what you do there so we understand kind of the background and, and what is an organization you guys do to help us who are auto enthusiasts. Sure. So um, my, my title here at SEMA is the Director of Emissions Compliance. And uh, this is a department that SEMA uh, formed about seven years ago. Uh, we saw a need. SEMA saw a need. And, um, you know, what we're experiencing right now with, with different um, EPA enforcement issues was foreseen. We, we knew that this was a likelihood. And so SEMA set about to, to prepare for that by building up a department that, that was skilled at dealing with emissions compliance issues. 
So that's really why the department was started. Um, I, uh, I come from a background of diesel uh, experience. I've, you know, I've done emissions compliance work in the industry uh, prior to working here at SEMA. So I had some pretty good knowledge about it, um, both gas and diesel actually. And um, so what we did was we, we built a department that, that includes both um, expertise on dealing with emissions compliance and then uh, also providing the services, uh, the testing services that are required for doing demonstrations of emissions compliance. And that's a little bit of a loaded phrase and I can ex explain a little <laughs> more about what I mean when I say demonstration of emissions compliance. But um, so we've built a department that can handle that. Um, the the kind of anchor for that is our emissions laboratory. Um, we have um, a laboratory where we, we do emissions testing on a chassis dynamometer. Um, the testing that's done um, for the purposes of emissions compliance is pretty sophisticated. It's basically the same testing that the OEMs have to do to prove that their vehicles meet the standards set by CARB and EPA. That's really interesting. And, and I wanted to go in depth on that topic with you because we've, we've touched on it a little bit with some of our other guests from other companies where they've said, hey, well, you know, we have to be able to get these products tested and, and we want to get as close as we can um, you know, prior to submitting the product for review, because you might have to, you know, test it a whole bunch of times if you haven't done it already. So, you know, as far as getting, as far as approaching this process, if, if I'm a small business owner and I'm thinking that I want to sell a product in California or other states now, because they're looking for these numbers, it, it seems really daunting and confusing from the outside looking in as in, I don't know the first, the first step to take. So when, when somebody contacts you and says, Hey, I, I'm thinking about offering this product. What, what process do you guys go through, you know, with them as they, as they, uh, you know, hope to achieve the CEO number? Yeah. You know, the process historically has been rather daunting and, and that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, companies have, have avoided the process in the past is it's, it's difficult to get your foot in the door to really understand the process. Um, you know, if you go to CARB's website, it's, you're going to spend probably days just trying to find the forms and the information that you need yeah. as, a, as a manufacturer to, to really sort through it. And then once you do get to that point, um, if you have to go through testing, you know, you got to find the right kind of laboratory, You've got to find, um, you know, it's you got to you know weigh the cost of doing that testing and all, all those things. So there's just, there is a lot involved, and that's really those are the issues that the, the mysteries that SEMA has set out to unravel um, and to, to make sure that uh, that we're providing um, guidance to our members to to get through those issues. Uh, where we would start. So if you came to me and said, "Hey, I've got this product. I I want to um, I'd like it. You know, I, I want to show that it's emissions legal." Historically, our advice to, to any one of our members would be to obtain a CARB EO. Now, let's, an EO, EO stands for executive order. It's basically a document that, that indicates that your product has, done, has gone through some level of demonstration of emissions compliance. And it's, it's either been tested um, or it may just have gone through an engineering evaluation, um, but it's in some format, it went through a process whereby an engineer at the California Air Resources Board said, we believe that this product will not have a detrimental impact on ambient air quality. So they, they deem it to be um, compliant. Now, that EO 
is that document is what they call a um, an exemption from the, the the portion of the of the vehicle code that says that you're not allowed to sell products that that might uh, alter emissions, right? Okay. So as it stands today, if you didn't go through that process, you wanted to sell that product, you couldn't legally sell it in California if it's an emissions related part. Even if it may be a clean part, it, it if you don't have an EO that says that it's compliant, um, then it's not legal to sell. So that EO is very important. Um, now, the reason that we would steer people towards obtaining an EO is because EPA also recognizes the CARB EO as a proper demonstration of emissions compliance. Now, the unique thing about EPA is there are other ways to show, uh, to demonstrate emissions compliance. The, EPA, the, the EO is not the only avenue, um, but, uh, but it is the most um, robust in, in terms of being 50 state legal. So if you have an EO, EPA recognizes it and you can call that product 50 state legal. So historically we've, we've steered people that direction. Now we're getting to a point where there are some distinctions uh, that would um, make it viable to approach um, EPA compliance only and not pursue a CARBO. And SEMA is actually working on a new program where we, we will provide certification for products that meets the EPA requirements without going quite the full distance of, of uh, showing, uh, uh, of obtaining a CARBO. There's a few different reasons we can get into for that. But um, so, so that's kind of where we start. The, the, we, we say, okay, let's, let's, let's obtain a CARBO for your product. Now, how do we go about doing that? It starts with understanding a little bit of it, uh, about the product. What is the product? What does it do? What is it, you know, how is it designed? And are there any concerns that we might have about its design that could impact emissions? Um, if we can demonstrate on paper that that product will have no impact on emissions or minimal impact on emissions, oftentimes it'll get it'll obtain a CARBO without having to go through testing. So we, we call that engineering evaluation, and it's a it's a legitimate um, uh, process and and uh, you know the CARB engineers are skilled at determining whether or not they need more information. And if they do, then they're gonna issue us what we call a test letter. They're gonna, they're gonna respond to that application, that information that we submitted with this document that says, we want you to test your product on a, a given vehicle. They'll specify the vehicle. And we want you to run this set of tests. And you have to run those tests as described by the federal test procedures. That these are these are procedures that are documented that we that we follow here in our lab. And um, once you run through that process and you submit that test data back to CARB, and they've had a chance to review it, then they issue the EO. So those are the the basic steps in the process. Well, I, I was thinking of a question when you were mentioning the CARB process and then the the EPA, and as far as choosing maybe potentially which direction to go is there is there are they more stringent to is or is it harder to get a carbio number than it is to say potentially i know it depends on the product but to get epa compliance with a product where a company might say um you know i i think i can achieve the epa compliance maybe quicker or easier than a carbio number or a company might say hey I think that everyone's going to look to carb it one day. So I might as well just go this route now so that I don't have to retest three years right. from now when another state jumps on or something like that. Yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit about EPA and, and, and what they, uh, their requirements are. So there was a lot of confusion on this subject up until about November of last year, a little bit before that. Um, we uh, historically, the reason that we had kind of recommended the CARBO is because the documentation in the Clean Air Act, and there's, a, there's an addendum to that called Memo 1A or Memorandum 1A, that, that kind of was, was intended to clarify what's required for aftermarket products and how they, an aftermarket product can comply with the Clean Air Act. Clean Air Act is similar to the California Vehicle Code. Both, both of those bodies of, of legislation say that you're not allowed to alter a vehicle from its certified condition. You know, when you when you drive a new vehicle off the lot, it's certified, right? It's, yeah. it's already gone through a process of, of demonstration and EPA and CARB have certified that vehicle. Um, so the, the Clean Air Act and the California Vehicle Code both say that you, uh, as a, as the owner of that vehicle, um, are not allowed to alter that that from its certified condition, and that actually applies not only to you as the vehicle owner, but also to retailers that might sell that product, installers that might install the product, manufacturers that might make the products. All everybody kind of in the chain is can be affected by those rules. However, in both cases, there are exceptions, and in the case of California, the EO. It, obtaining an EO provides you that exception. In the case of EPA, they don't have a program like the CARB-EO program. Basically, what they say is it's up to you as the manufacturer to do your own self-certification or your own demonstration of emissions compliance. So again, the CARB-EO has historically been the best way to, to handle that. But in November of last year, November of 2020, EPA did provide a clarification of what they mean by uh, demonstrating emissions compliance. They use the term reasonable basis. If you have a reasonable basis for being able to show that, um, that your product is compliant, then that will satisfy EPA. The problem is that there's, there's not a whole lot of understanding of what we mean or what they mean by reasonable basis. Yeah. We had, we, that's what the clarification is. That document that they provided in November um, provides much more detail about how you can show reasonable basis. And what it boils down to is there's really two options within the that EPA document that are meaningful to our industry. The first is it says if you have a CARBO, you're good. So that's a reasonable basis. The second is in, in loose terms, I'm not going to quote it directly, but basically if you do the type of testing that would normally be required to obtain a CARBO, then uh, that will also serve as a reasonable basis. So, the, so this is a long answer to, to your question of uh, to say that in most cases, the testing for EPA is going to pretty much be the same as what would be required to obtain a CARBO. Now, why would we choose to you to, to just pursue EPA compliance and yeah. not a CARBO? There are some instances with certain product types um, that, that make it difficult to, to get through the CARB process. And there, so there may be certain cases um, where it just, it, you, we can do testing to demonstrate reasonable basis. We can make the case that the testing is appropriate, um, but CARB might, um, might not agree and therefore getting a CARBO just becomes that much more challenging. So rather than jump through all the hoops that might be necessary there, 
some people might stop at the point of saying, we have a reasonable basis that'll satisfy EPA, we're not gonna go any further. Um, I will say that, that in most cases that would probably be related to gasoline vehicles rather than diesel. And the reason for that is because gasoline vehicles are subject to, in addition to the, the emissions that come out of the tailpipe of the vehicle, gasoline vehicles are also subject to, to standards for evaporative emissions. Basically that means when the vehicle is not running and the gasoline in the fuel tank is starting to evaporate, if any of those vapors escape the vehicle, they, they can contaminate the atmosphere. So there's actually standards for, that a vehicle has to meet to stay within evaporative emissions limits. So that's strict, that, that, that strictly applies to gasoline. It doesn't apply to diesel. And many of the difficulties that we see today in the CARBO process are kind of connected to that evaporative emissions process. What's really, what's really interesting to me about this is, you know, I think if I was a fabricator or small business owner and I made product and I was thinking about doing this is I wouldn't have probably, well, I definitely wouldn't have the knowledge on where to start. And then also, how am I going to afford or know the process to go through for testing equipment? And I think what we've seen in specifically diesel, but I, I know it's also in the gas aftermarket as well, is company and, and enthusiasts are saying, okay, I understand I need to go through this process and the aftermarket products that are offered are changing. And so... Are you seeing an increase in, in people reaching out to you and saying, hey, I need help with this. I want to do it the right way. I want to go through this process. And I think that's what's so in incredible about what SEMA offers is just the testing alone is invaluable. And that's not even taking into account the expertise that you have and your team has and, and the whole organization in working through this. And, and I really wanted to make that connection because it's, it's rare and it doesn't exist anywhere else in the aftermarket, to my knowledge, where you have an organization that has this expertise and says, Hey, we have the testing equipment and we'll help you through this process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just looking at the last six months or so, we've seen somewhere between a five and tenfold increase in inquiries from, from companies. Um, some of them are SEMA members that are that are contacting us and some aren't and um, oftentimes we'll encourage them to become a SEMA member just to be able to um, uh, take advantage of the, of the benefits that we do offer to members um, in that respect. Um, so yeah, we've seen a dramatic increase. Um, we offer, uh, the services that we offer to our members are free um, right now. They have to be a SEMA member to be able to take advantage of those, but but we offer free services in the assistance with preparing the, the necessary paperwork. Um, so, uh, so that's one uh, side of what we do. Um, and by the way, the CARB-EO process is also free, at least for now. We do know that CARB is going to ultimately uh, introduce fees uh, probably within the next calendar year, or excuse me, within the next 12 months or so. But, um, uh, but for now, the, those the, what CARB does that for processing those applications is a free service. So, um, so that's a, that's something that's that's worth the cost of membership with SEMA to to take advantage of. Um, now, lab testing does cost. There there are some some costs associated with that. And of course, anytime a member you know or a company contacts us and and wants to know you know what what to expect, we try to give them some kind of a ballpark idea. Um, and then they're going to need to decide whether 
that cost is is worth it to them um, to be to to then have a product that's emissions compliant that they can sell legally. I, and I will say that in most cases that that is um, within their grasp. In other words, the cost of testing is not such that it's uh, that it puts them beyond uh, a desire to pursue that. We also make uh, great efforts to ensure that they get the best bang for their buck out of that testing. Right. So the testing is relatively expensive, you know, again, depending on the type of product and the specific testing that's required, it can range anywhere from $3,000 to $10,000 for a round of test. Um, so we want that round of test to get you the most coverage possible. So, for example, we'll use certain strategies by, you know, uh, testing late, you know, test a product on a late model vehicle first and then try to get the, 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 the older vehicles, the coverage for the older vehicles grandfathered in under that single round of test. And we, and we have strategies for doing that. We've done this long enough now that we know, you know, we can give you some good direction on, you know, how to approach that process. Um, so, the, so yeah, that's, that's been kind of our charter is to, uh, is to walk our members through, through that process. I know as a diesel enthusiast, you know, we tend to think, well, this only applies to newer trucks. And, and if we don't live in California or haven't lived there before, we don't necessarily understand that this has been around for a long time, even on five nines and LBZs and six liter power strokes and other trucks like that. So with, um, you know, with some of those older vehicles, are, are you guys seeing an interest in a company saying, hey, I want to be able to offer this for a pre-2007 and I want to work with SEMA to be able to make sure I can now offer this in the state of California? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple misconceptions there in terms of like what, you know, what range of vehicles you need to, to have a, a emissions compliance products for. Um, in California, the first regulated vehicles date as far back as 1965. Federal, uh, it's a little bit later, a couple of, couple model years later, 67, 68, somewhere in that range. So, so the letter of the law says that if you're going to sell a product for any regulated vehicle, then you're going to have to go through that, that demonstration of emissions compliance. Um, and so that, that would apply in California on anything, you know, basically 65 and up. Um, the problem is that in California, vehicles uh, are older than 1975 are not, they don't go through our smog check program. So uh, there's, there's a, a misunderstanding that, oh, if, if, if it's 75 and older that I don't, I don't have to get an EO for it. Well, that's not true. CARB would still potentially come after you if, you've, if you're selling products within that 65 to 75 window um, and you haven't gotten EO for those. So, the, but there's, the reality is there's not a whole lot of back checking on that. It's just, it's something that, that um, companies, manufacturers need to be aware of. Um, beyond that, um, there's there, the, the testing that's required and the processes that you would go through will vary pretty dramatically from those older vehicles up into the newer ones. Um, but again, you know, my advice is usually to start with your latest model stuff whatever your, late, the, your products are that fit on the latest year models and then move backwards for coverage because usually that's going to be the best strategy for, um, for minimal testing. Yeah, I think that with, um, with, with the shift, especially, I, I think 
I think for the rest of the country that, that isn't, that hasn't been used to that process, it's been a massive change for them because before it was always somebody would make a product and it tested on a test truck. And then all of a sudden it's on a website and you're running it and you can buy it nearly everywhere to this massive shift where companies are saying, no, I need to have this tested before I offer it for 2007 and a half to, to current. And we're starting to see more of them. I see the posts on social media, a lot of there's this new turbo or these new injectors or, or th these different parts, you know, for trucks. So I think we're slowly getting there and, and understanding it. But a lot of the questions that uh, I seem to get about this topic are from the smaller business owners or manufacturers yeah. or fabricators where yeah. they're just like, where do I start? I don't even know where to begin. I want to do this. I want to be able to offer it everywhere. And so yeah. that's why, you know, when we were originally, thinking or chatting about this episode, I was so excited to chat with you about this because it, it's not easy to find um, a reliable, experienced resource to be able to ask these questions. And so when I heard about what you guys are doing, it got me really excited to be able to to chat with you. And for people who are listening, say, hey, there is a process or there is help you can get out there. It's not just make a product and spend, you know, three to ten thousand dollars testing it a bunch of times like you can get to a certain point and feel confident that yep. your product's going to make it through. Yeah. And we, you know, we've been able to assist businesses, you know, that are very small, you know, mom and pop type uh, organizations all the way up to, you know, some pretty large ones. So, you know, the size of the business um, doesn't have to be a detriment. Yeah. Um, certainly it's, it's probably going to be a little bit of a steeper hill to climb, but, uh, but there are viable products that are, that are, you know, when I say viable, that can, you know, can go through, and, and demonstrate emissions compliance um, that are uh, that, that you may not necessarily think um, could initially. We deal with um, anything from you know uh, air, air intake systems, cold air intake to uh, exhaust components, uh, turbine outlet pipes, up pipes, um, tuning devices, injectors, uh, turbochargers. Um, you know the the intercoolers. It's a pretty broad gamut of of types of products that can go through the process. So, um, you know, there are, there are many viable uh, uh, products out there that, uh, that can, uh, that can obtain uh, emissions compliance. I think the education is also the key as well, not just with the general public or not just with the company that may make a product, but then also the facilities that, you know, if, if you have to go get an emissions test and, and I know over the years I've, I've read, you know, things from people on a forum or social media where they say, and they live in California and they take their truck somewhere and the, the smog shop says, well, where's your EO number? And, and there's this massive confusion on, or is it the sticker came on it and I don't know where it is and I got to find it. So just educating people on, on, on how the process works, I think is, is incredibly important as well. Cause it, there's no way this is just going to slow down or just apply to California. It's applying everywhere now. And just the perception I have is a lot of States are looking towards, that that carbio process and saying hey well these guys already figured it out a long time ago we're going to follow you know the process that california has for it or we're going to you know honor the the eo numbers that they have and so it, it, it it's almost like that roadmap is done and then now we're just educating people through podcasts through the things you guys do through sema itself you know in the fall and, and the the different uh events and, and and conferences that you guys have how important that education is yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the show uh, in November. We, uh, you know, the SEMA show is is a great opportunity for gathering of our if our industry comes together, and, and we we have um, opportunities to uh, to talk about these kinds of things. We offer a, a seminar 
on, on Thursday of the SEMA show, which I think in this year it's November 4th, um, which covers, it's basically everything that you need to know about emissions compliance. So our goal is to, to give you a good overview of, of the information that you need and to give you the right resources. Uh, in those uh, seminars, historically, we've typically had a panel that includes um, both you know, myself and then experts from CARB and EPA uh, and, and even from our legal team that, that are there to answer you know, the hard questions about emissions compliance. We also have a resource that I would uh, encourage any of, any of your listeners that are um, kind of in this position of, of you know, wanting to make products or get EOs for their products or go through that emissions compliance process. Um, we've, we've put together a handbook um, that, that gives a pretty good overview of, of the information um, that's uh, you know, the, uh, an overview of the whole process, including a little bit of detail about the, what the tests are like and you know, what they can expect with the testing. Um, that's accessible uh, on our website at semagarage.com. So I would encourage anyone to go check that out. And, um, and that'll, it's, it's uh, you know, some good nighttime reading. <laughs> uh, we tried to make it uh, real accessible for, for people that, that are new to the process. Um, but but very informative as well. Now, for any anyone who's listening and they're thinking, you know, I, I have this product, I want to go through this, I want to work with SEMA to do this. Where what's the best place for them to start to get in contact with you guys and your team and and you know become a member and take advantage sure. of these incredible services that you guys have? Yeah, so I think the probably the best way to start is an email. Um, you know, uh, I, you can send it directly to me. My email address is peterT at sema.org. And um, <clears throat> once I get that email, I'll respond to you. We'll, talk, we'll start a dialogue about uh, your company, your product. Uh, we'll probably set up a phone call. Um, I'll wind up, uh, you know, connecting you with one of my staff members who can start, you know, actually walking you through the process. If you need to become a SEMA member, we'll help you with that as well. Um, so I think that's a good starting point. Um, I mentioned the uh, handbook that we have, I would, you know, usually one of my first things to do when I respond to one of those emails is to attach the handbook. Um, but it is, you can download it from our website. So it's easily accessible there as well. So um, looking at the website um, or sending an email, my email address and, and other staff members are, are listed on that website as well. So if you can remember semagarage.com or peterT at sema.org, either one of those will get you there. Well, I appreciate your time today, Peter, chatting with me and, and answering these questions and then also what you guys are doing for the aftermarket, not just with Carbio numbers, but lots of other things that, that you guys are doing for enthusiasts out there. So it was great to, to learn to learn more about the process and, and, and what you guys are, are doing to help not just truck owners, but then also entrepreneurs that are out there that have an idea, they, they have a product that they're thinking of, or an established company that's saying, hey, I, I wanna be able to offer this um, you know, product and, and have this, this testing process behind it. So it's great to chat with you and, and uh, I had a great time and, and uh, appreciate your time today chatting about it. Thanks, Patrick, I appreciate it. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to WCFab.com. Check out the complete lineup of products that they have for diesel trucks. And if you have any questions, which, which you might, you know, depending on the kind of build that you have or, or what you're looking to do with the truck, they're more than happy to chat with you. Send them an email and they'll be, uh, you know, they'll get right back to you and be able to make sure you get the product that you're looking for. If you're a shop owner, go to turn14.com. They can hook you up with WCFab parts to make the whole process really easy. Also wanted to give a shout out to two of our Patreons. We got Wrights Diesel Services and Texas Diesel Supply. If you're looking for more 
more content. There's, there's episodes that we're going to have that are just Patreon exclusive that we're not going to release on YouTube and any of the podcast apps for our Patreons as a way to thank them for their support of us. You can find the link down below, or if you go to Instagram, the diesel podcast, you'll find the link in our bio. And there's a lot of different choices you have, not only to be able to be able to engage with us, but if you want to show off your truck, have it be our podcast cover for a month, or you want to be um, a producer, you know, for an episode, um, have your name read on air. There's lots of really cool things. You also get episodes episodes first as well. So there's a lot of exclusive perks we have for hardcore fans. We know that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them out there. So I want to see you guys on Discord, want to see you on Patreon. And I rely on you guys giving you know me feedback as far as the questions I should ask, the topics that you want to hear. This is really your podcast. And I'm simply in the driver's seat, you know, taking it where you want to go. So I want to hear from you guys and see you on there. Until next time, keep the shiny set up.